Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. Guys, are you ready to uh, just have an opportunity for God to work in your heart this evening? Uh, we've uh, got a cool word for you, and I say we is because Anna and I have been on a bit of a journey, but before I get into anything else, can we just pray over the word and pray for our hearts? Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to hear your voice, to hear your principles, and uh, most importantly, to, to know your spirit, that you would uh, speak to us tonight, Holy Spirit, and you would do a work in us. You would refine us to be more in the image of Jesus tonight than we were this morning. We pray this in your mighty name. We all said? Uh, as uh, Pastor Cam said, my name is Jethro, and uh, uh, some people know this about me, some don't, but um, I lived in the land of rain for a long time. Does anyone feel like it's been raining a lot recently? Is anyone looking forward to maybe just like an extended period of time where we just see the sun every day? Um, uh, yeah, I do mean Jesus as well, but the actual sun also would be great. Uh, and I'm kind of getting a little bit over it. Uh, I used to live in far north Queensland in Tully, my wife, where she was born and bred. And it's the wettest place in Australia, regardless of whatever they're saying in Babinda, Tully is the wettest. Okay, and while I was in Tully, I had the, the profound job of being a banana farmer. Uh, we can point, uh, I believe we've got a little image here. Um, wow. <laughs> Wow, no wonder Anna married me. Um, <laughs> so this is a this is a relatively dry day uh, in Tully, but uh, there was a period of time where I was working on the banana farm where it would seemingly rain forever. Every uh, every opportunity I had to wake up and know I was working in the rain, it was just amazing. Just so much rain, and um, I actually looked back. Uh, I did a little bit of nerd radar research, some rain research. Uh, that sounds like, what is he talking about? And I, I want to let you know that in the year I was working on the banana farm in 2007, that's why I look so good back there. Uh, 2007 was a long time ago. In February, the shortest month of the year, we had 1.4 meters of rain in Tully. We think it's been, it rains here for like six seconds and they're like, uh, flood alert uh, for the Morton Bay region. I don't understand, but occasionally it would rain so much in Tully, because they used to rain, everything's built for it, but it would just rain so, so much that something glorious would happen. We would get a day off. I don't know if you know this, but working on a farm is up early and working hard and, and, and often in the rain, just soaking it up and uh, occasionally it rained so much we'd get a day off and those were very, very good days. I want to uh, open up into the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 to 10, and it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Tonight's message is titled, 
the overflow. And I've got a message for you. If you are feeling tired, if you are feeling burdened, if you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling unpeaceful, if there's something in you that's not sitting just quite right, I do believe God's going to speak to you tonight. Uh, I believe that we can know God through His Word, and we want to explore that tonight. And it's really interesting. The, the Sabbath day is quite funny. It was popular enough, the idea of a Sabbath to have a day off was popular enough to make the top 10 list, God's top 10 list, otherwise known as the Ten Commandments, all the way back in the Old Testament. But today, the Sabbath is kind of dismissed and rejected. It's considered no longer necessary or impossible to do, or it's considered religiousness. Anna and I have been on a bit of a journey, and that's why I said there was a message from us, because we've been discovering how good the principle and the opportunity of a tangible Sabbath is in our lives. Rest is good. We've been uh, uh, reading up. God's just been putting books in front of us. If you're, a, uh, if you're a reader, then you are probably a leader. I encourage you to just read as much as you can. Read the Word, uh, get into stuff. And we've been uh, uh, exposed to things like books like The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Take the Day Off, and The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, but I want to teach on this a little bit further. That Sabbath actually made a, uh, its debut before the Ten Commandments. Again in Exodus, but going back a little bit in chapter 16, I'll read this for you. It's, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink. That's good news. And there were no worms in it. That's also good news. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. God had been providing them food to just rock up manna. It's like Uber Eats, but way better, and actually arrives on time. <laughs> Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his uh, place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. One of the most common instincts for people when they actually hear uh, the Sabbath being brought up or a, a day of complete rest is, how on earth would I get everything done? My day off is to get all the fiddly things done. Are there any parents or mothers in the house where they don't seem like they have a, a, a spare day because they have to look after a family and they're always getting things done together? It, it feels impossible. How could I have a day of complete rest? Can I maybe just let you know that God is the God of provision if we put our faith in Him? As the Israelites learned that God provided for them. 
Sabbath was given to the Israelites as a strict rule so that they would be a, a way to be protected through the ages. They have survived and they have thrived as a nation because of these principles. God wasn't just doing it for his own vanity. He was doing it as an opportunity that these people would thrive. The Israelites, before they were given the Ten Commandments, uh, had been in captivity and under the rule of the Egyptians for some 400 years. And, and in these 400 years as slaves, what they were required to do was to make bricks. Day in and day out, they had one purpose, and that was to be practically an ancient time robot, just as people. All they did, their only function was provide us bricks, do the work, make the things like machines for 400 years. A name you might not hear so often or maybe you've never heard of someone with some pretty interesting beliefs and doctrine, um, some of it bizarre, this in particular I think is quite good, but Rob Bell has this famous insightful teaching uh, quote, and I'll read it for you now. We create these identities around our roles and titles and job descriptions and achievements. They give our lives shape and form and meaning and definition. Ever so gradually over time, our understanding of ourselves gets shaped by what we do and what we've done. We cling. We grasp. We hold tightly to these identities. In his teaching, Everything is Spiritual, he teaches that the Sabbath reminded the Israelites that they aren't human doings, but they are in fact human beings. Have you been living a life where it's more about what you are doing than who you are? An adjacent principle to this that I'm a big fan of as a pastor is knowing that if you, as someone that is a part of a church, if you are a leader or a server, if you don't grasp or thrive or desire sometimes an opportunity just to be present and to be fed, then I believe that you are missing out. If you are hiding behind a role, so maybe you don't have to uh, speak to, be, to someone new, maybe. Sometimes we hide behind roles so that we don't do the thing that God's really asking us to do. Simply sometimes God is requiring us to sit at his feet and to rest. Mary and Martha, anybody? One attitude, which is like, well, there's all this work to do. And one attitude is to say, I would rather be, no, I would not be anywhere else rather than here, right at the foot of yours, Jesus. To be in your presence, to just learn, to be comforted by you, to, to just know just how much you love me. The attitude of sitting and receiving is so important. If we believe that God has grafted us into a vine, that he has built us onto the cornerstone of Christ simply to perform a function, I believe we haven't actually really met the Father or truly understood why he loves us so much. He loves us not because you perform a function. He loves you not because you serve in the cafe or behind the tech booth or, or, or in the car park. He loves you because you are his child. Imagine parents had children purely because they can do stuff. Oh, I, want, I want a little kid that can make me a cup of tea and run it up the stairs so I don't have to do it, as I maybe felt sometimes with my parents. <laughs> 
I got good. That's why I'm obsessed with coffee. Uh, my parents taught me at a young age. No, no, no. Uh, God desires a relationship with you, not because of what you can do, but because of who you are. If you believe that maybe we just sit in a purpose to just perform a function, I believe that you are ignoring and rejecting the entire Bible, which is a story of God pursuing us to be with us, to exist and to dwell with us. Should we serve God? Absolutely. However, yet... God in the Garden of Eden walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening because he loved them. God's commandment of rest existed because he longs that we would know that he wants to be with us. Maybe right now in you there's a wall. There's maybe a bit of a defense mechanism and it'll be like, these are the reasons I can't do it or I've heard about this before and we're living in a new covenant, don't you know, Jethro? And, uh, and so I want you to speak to those things for a moment. Maybe what your arguments are against or maybe what the enemy is telling you in your ear, like, don't listen to him, keep listening to me. Some of you might have only heard of the Sabbath in the context of the Old Testament or maybe in the way that uh, an Orthodox Jew, uh, a person of faith and a, a particular ethnicity, and uh, would, that's how they outlive the Sabbath, and you've heard of it, and maybe it sounds awfully complicated. Maybe it sounds, or maybe it sounds a little bit like religiousness, and I want to say, I think you're correct. I think you've heard it correctly. I think there are things that people live out to be like the Sabbath that aren't particularly fruitful. It has been said by biblical scholars that the Pharisees in Jesus' time on earth had added over 600 regulations regarding what qualified as working on the Sabbath. Just an extra 600 rules. It's like those people that play Monopoly, but they got real weird rules. Oh, you can't do that. Why? Oh, it's one of the rules we made. They're not in the instructions. No, they're house rules. Have we been uh, living by a different rule set than actually God had intended for our lives? They're just family rules. You know, the things that are like, oh, yeah, my family's Christian, but we're totally okay to give someone the finger if they cut us off in traffic. House rules. Things we add on to our lives, which are maybe just not quite lining up with what God had intended. It's actually one of the, the big things that got the Pharisees knickers in a twist was Jesus' relationship with the Sabbath and what he told them about the Sabbath. In Matthew 12, we see that Jesus and his disciples are picking some grains of wheat to eat and uh, the Pharisees begin to challenge them. We pick up off in verse 3 here. But he said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those with him were hungry? He went into God's house and broke the law by eating the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple treat the Sabbath as any other day and are still innocent? But I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had not known what this means, I want mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't have condemned the innocent. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus left that place and went into their synagogue. 
a man with a withered hand was there, wanting to bring charges against Jesus. They asked, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did, and as you would know, Jesus made it healthy, just like the other one. The Pharisees went out and met in order to find a way to destroy Jesus. The Pharisees and some families don't like it when you mess with their rules. Even the Son of God. The person who knew the Bible inside out, the person that was the Word, he knew what the Sabbath was for, yet they were ticked off. Man has a great way of taking something good that God has given and turning it into something else. Man is perverse. God is good. In Mark 2, 27, it says, We are not made to observe Sabbath. We were given the Sabbath as a gift. In Hebrews 4, 1, this is New Testament. So all those people thinking, no, this is an Old Testament thing. This is in the New Testament. In Hebrews 4, 1, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Does anyone need to repent tonight? (laughs) Have we fallen short? Maybe that's why we're cranky. Maybe that's why we're really short and frustrated and people are burning out. See, God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. Any smart children's church attendance, kids' ministry, kids would be like, does God need rest? Yet he was refreshed. God, the all-powerful, God, the almighty, omnipresent, uh, he can do all things. Six days he used his voice, his words to breathe out, let there be light. But on the seventh day, instead of speaking out, he breathed in. You see, God is three in one. He is Jesus. He is the Father, and he is the Holy Spirit. Another word for the Holy Spirit is breath. That in God's very nature, that he would breathe in, and there is some kind of form of community between Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. On the seventh day, he wanted to be with his community, and he wanted to take breath. There's a real interesting relationship Uh, between tithe and the Sabbath. Really interesting in the fact that they both require trust. You would have heard maybe a message similar to this when speaking of tithe, they will say that, well, you know, uh, if you give, let's say, 10%, well, God can do more with your uh, 90% than you can do with your 100%. You've heard that message or something similar before? I want to challenge that, the idea that you can do more with six days when you give one to rest than you can with seven. You tell me an athlete that doesn't rest when he's not playing. Imagine your favorite sports team. Imagine uh, its state of origin and the mighty Queenslanders come up to play the Blues 
But then you've heard this thing, they're like, oh, they haven't rested in four months. They've just been training continuously. Would you have high hopes that they'd be up for the challenge? You would want them to have had a rest at some point. Yet we reject this idea. In the, the book of Leviticus, God commanded for the earth to have rest. Has anyone heard the term fallow? When you allow uh, uh, land that is for growing things, you actually need to give it a season of rest. In this period of time, do you know what happens to the land? It gets healthier. It gains moisture. It, it regains nutrients. It actually kills off pathogens that would come to invade that land, that would affect what would be grown. When you have rest, those things get cut off. Maybe you wouldn't be so cranky with your boss if you just really took a proper day of rest. Cranky at your kids, cranky at your spouse, cranky at your pastor. Carolina, maybe some people need to take some medicine of rest. Maybe we just get a little bit more defensive, a little more susceptible to offense because we are not resting. A real rest may just be the uh, the interruption in your week to kill off the bad attitudes that we have. Maybe it's just the day that we can really indulge and walk with the Lord. Enjoy His presence. Walk in the knowledge that God wants to spend time with you and He wants to speak with you. Rather than your devotion times being squeezed in to every little nook and cranny you've got left, maybe you've got a day where you can just be on the beach. Maybe just look over the word for a little bit and maybe just listen to God's voice rather than squeezing your devotion times on the toilet at work. I got just a little bit of time to read my Bible app this morning. Maybe God would just want you to be a little bit more intentional just to say, I trust you that you want me to relax, to be peaceful, to know your presence. Maybe we've just given something up that was freely given to us and we've rejected it out of an idea that God doesn't care enough for you just to say, take a breath, have rest, to taste that life is good. This next uh, part of the message is simply titled this. There's no easier way for me to say it other than a warning for sloths. I can tell you from experience that rest without work isn't actually that good. There are a whole plethora of scriptures, warnings to lazy people in scripture. And there is no greater satisfaction than when you've had a hard day at work to that moment that you get to have rest. It's like the idea for anyone that's mown the lawn on a hot day, sweaty work. Maybe Brett Jorgensen, you've been bumping in a concert. You are sweaty, you've been working all day, and you get a moment of reprieve, and you drink that sweet lemony solo. Cold, refreshing. That feels so good right now. But if you haven't done the work, if you haven't had a sweat on, if you haven't actually been saying, God, I'm going 100%, let's run, let's do this, where can I be obedient? If you haven't done that part, the drink doesn't taste so sweet. 
If you're a, a sloth by nature, if you find it hard to get motivated, the, uh, you need to get a concept that rest is for the people that need the rest. You need to work hard, but when you do, when you push yourself just a little bit further, when you're saying, God, I will be obedient, but then you're being obedient to God's rest as well, it tastes so sweet. This is the best time to be refreshed when you're saying, oh, God, I'm going to work hard, but God, I'm going to rest faithfully and well. We aren't called to be sloths. In whatever we're doing, we are called to work hard, serve the Lord, but then rest well with the Lord. You know, even anyone feeling right now, they're like, I can't even think about rest. You don't know what's going through my life. I am under attack, Jethro. You do not understand. Uh, people are against me. My family have cut me off. My boss, I'm pretty sure he's going to fire me. I would point you to this scripture in Psalm 23. A psalm of David's. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That is how we stay alive, not burn out by being led by Him into rest. To walk in the path of righteousness by giving from the overflow. This is a really important concept that can change your life. I didn't know it for a really long time. Grew up in a Christian home. I'm a PK. My pastors, uh, my parents are pastors. Uh, grew up and I did not understand this until I was in my 30s. If you're a young person today, be faithful to the tithe. Be faithful to the Sabbath. Be faithful to God. It will bring longevity to your life. It will bring favor to your family, to your relationships. You'll be able to serve from a position of overflow, not from a position of dry, feeling like your needs are not met. When you take a day, you actually say, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to know your goodness. Something important I need to bring up is the fact that the Sabbath is an important principle. But something that is more important is your eternal future. If you're looking for rest, God can provide it to you here on earth as he brings heaven to earth. But one day we will live in a place, well, some people will live in a place where there are no more tears, where there is no more death or sin. But we need to know the rest of Jesus in that moment. And that comes by believing and having faith in him 